What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode five of the Growing Up Not Growing Old podcast. My name is Mike Russo. I'm your host. This week, I'm featuring my brother Anthony on the show. Went out to Jersey to, to uh, lay some shit down. Last week, I started a new thing where I'm letting the guest pick the outro music, and I, I asked him about it what he want what he wanted his song to be. I just uh, forgot to record it. So uh, this week's outro music is going to be called "Having My Say." By a band called Bold. I'm just gonna kind of uh, just gonna go right into the show. All right, enjoy episode five. Mike Russo, NY, gmail.com, Instagram, Twitter, Vine. Later. My memory is uh, not legendary, but it's like uh, notorious for being spotty at best. Like spotty, I, like what? <laughs> like, in one of the podcasts I did, I remembered I was wearing a Gorilla Biscuits shirt the first time I f- met my friend Yvonne. But two episodes before that, a situation happened in Hunter Mountain. I couldn't remember the details. Jay had, had to fill them in. But today, I thought of something funny. <laughs> Ready for this? Ready for this? <laughs> sit, Ubu, sit. Good dog. Do you remember that? That's from the television, <laughs> right? Well, every show back in the Yo, 80s. was it Sit, Ubu, or Sit, Ubu? Because it was Ubu Productions. Wow, it was Ubu. Ah, it was, no, I'm telling you. I, it was Ubu Productions. But and one time I said that to somebody... He was like, sit, boo-boo, sit. I was like, nah, bro. Nah, ubu. Ubu, motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> boo sounds better, but it's ubu. It says it right there. I thought it was boo-boo forever until uh, I saw the UBU. All right, how about this one? What's the dog's name in Jaws? It's, uh... Pippet! It's... <laughs> I think it's Pippin with an N. <laughs> I don't know. Pippet! 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 If I'm being too loud, let me know. I can't really hear my own voice too good in the You're headphone. Pippet! <laughs> Yo, Jaws holds up, though. Dude, I watched it last week. Are you kidding me? And then he said the story. I fucking rewinded it and listened to the story again. I know the, about that story. You're talking about the uh, the USS Indianapolis? Yes. Didn't you say you looked that up one time and it didn't happen? Or something you, Something was spotty about it. I think you were telling the, me. Well, the thing that I... Uh, I didn't look it up or anything, but what, what I do know is that... That was written by the guy who wrote Conan. Milius? Wait, uh, I was gonna. I'm good at that shit. I got plenty of mindless, <laughs> no, makes no sense information. But Mil- John Milius. John Milius wrote like a fucking 15 page monologue about um, the USS. I don't know if it was true or not. Hey, where'd you find that? Where the fuck did you find the monologue on that? Like, what were you looking? It actually, I heard it from a couple different places. O and A talked about it a couple times. Uh, did good with movies, by the way. Yeah, um... Like, they'll actually have movies that we know. And we know movies that no one knows. That's another problem. Well, let me just finish with the with, the, with that Indianapolis yeah. thing, is that, uh... Milius wrote a giant fucking monologue. And you know who rewrote it and got it down to what it was? There was another writer involved, too. Fucking Quint. I heard that Quint did those scenes drunk and his, and how he switched that up. The yeah. monologue, he switched it while he was all boozed up. Yeah, he rewrote it. That fucking awesome was You that. know how you know, you could tell he's drunk you too. You can. Because he's like, start the engines. Mm-hmm. And he's all fucking... You can't act like that. That's yeah. gotta be real. He's, he was a drunk, he was a fucking drunkard. But getting back to the, um, the ONA knowing about movies and stuff, like our movies, I used to feel some movies were our movies, but now they're not our movies anymore. Example. Scarface. 
Definitely not our movie. <laughs> That's definitely not our movie anymore. We've seen that in the fucking theaters. All right. Have job. you listened to any of my podcasts lately? Not lately. That time when we spoke, I put it on. All right, because it came up last show. How old was I? How old were we when we saw Scarface? I was like seven, eight, maybe. I, I can't recall exactly. That's, that's why I had it. That can't be right. That means I was three. Dude, we used to go on Toys R Us and steal. Well, who wouldn't back then? <laughs> now you can't do shit. No, but we used to go into Toys R Us and steal with them condoning it. Now, should well, you say that? I don't know, but we used to go. No, that's okay because... We used to steal the fucking race cars. That's okay to say that because, you know, back then, you know, you don't have so much money. It's all right. You, that's what you did. You know, even if it's toys. Because you know what? If I was poor... I would, and there wasn't cameras and, 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 and fucking ink packs everywhere. And Emma wanted to go take a little pet shop, like those little, to- uh, go ahead. Right? I gotta agree. That's it, if, if we don't got fucking money to Why buy them. Why do people rich steal? Winona Ryder, for example. She fucking jacks everything. I She's think, loaded. Alright, I think, you know why? I, I haven't really thought about this. This is just something that Remember I just, her, right? I just came up with just now. I haven't even given this any thought, but I just thought of it just now. I think because she's so rich and privileged. Do you remember Batman Begins where where Bruce Wayne, before he goes off to be a criminal, he talks to a, a, a Falcone and Falcone's like, you always fear what you don't understand. Yes. And I think uh, Winona Ryder and, and, and Lohan and them, they're so fucking privileged and rich that they don't understand the other side of, of, of like underprivileged people. Shouldn't they take that and run with it though? They want to experience that they want to they want to feel that rush that 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 of stealing that they they steal because they want to feel that rush of the other side when the other side steals for necessity that's pathetic it's sorry <laughs> that's it's pathetic terrible. it's sorry and i think it might it's be terrible i think it might be the truth i don't know that's my theory on it speaking of batman right going to that batman thing batman right christian bell snake plissken i heard it's going to be gerard butler Right? Okay. Snake Plissken, if... See if you agree with me. Snake Plissken's not Americana. Like, Americana. Snake Plissken. Escape from New York. That was one of our movies, too. Right. Definitely was. Actually, that still is, though. Well, I think since... That still is. Since the sequel came out, and just... I, I think... It, 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 yeah, maybe. Maybe, but... No, yeah. What, the sequel, what? Escape from L.A.? <laughs> Yeah, it was so bad. It was that so was bad. Hollywood starting to take over. Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. Escape from L.A. Right. All that stuff, they take over. But going back to the Batman, these English actors are doing everything. Right, Gerard Butler. Yeah, They're yeah. doing everything. I think he's Australian, but same point. Yeah, they, they're doing everything. They, that, like, Let me break down Batman for you. I'll get back to that in a second. Chris, Batman, Christian Bale. Wales. He's from Wales. Yeah. Michael Caine, yes. English. Yes. Gary Oldman, English. Yeah. Director. Heath Ledger, Australian. Liam Neeson, English. Mm-hmm. Fucking Bane. Uh, Tom, Tom Hardy, Hardy, English. Mm-hmm. Who's fucking American? Maggie Gyllenhaal and Katie Holmes? That's it. The whole fucking movie is out of towners. Why not? You're right. Pick, pick roles for those people. Who we got? You Jer- got nobody. Ren- Jeremy Renner? Jeremy fucked up Hansel and Gretel. He fucked up. That's bad. You see Hurt Locker? Banging fucking movie. 
You but know. Jeremy Renner, he's not. I don't know. He's he's good, but there's something about him that doesn't give him that that number one guy thing. Like he Christian looks, Bale has that number one. Jeremy you know? Renner looks like a squirt. Like he kind yeah, of. I he mean, he, he's he, not overpowering, or, or or he's not he's not intimidating. Like for Hurtlock, he was perfect for the fact that he was like a normal guy. He was a normal guy. But he was just an adrenaline junkie type guy. He wasn't like Batman, you know, larger than life, you know, beating the crap out of ten people. He's not overpowering, you're exactly, right. Exactly, you know? He's not overpowering. And, and, and fucking, um, if I, if I snort or say butter, point that shit out, because those are my crutches. I'm trying to get over that shit. Last couple of shows. Gotcha. Big snort. Yeah. Butter. <laughs> butter. butter. Check this butter. out, too. I got one for you. Terminator Salvation, right? I liked it. A lot of people hated it. There were some parts I didn't like, but for the most part, I thought it was pretty cool. The guy who directed as Mick G, right? Or MCG or whatever. Mick G, yeah. Yeah. So um, I was reading an interview with him because what they're trying to do is they're trying to do two more Terminators after Salvation. So I, I read an interview with him, and um, he was saying he couldn't find anyone... To play Marcus. Is that his name? Marcus? Who? Uh, which which character? Sam Worthington. Yeah, yeah. Marcus. Marcus. He couldn't find anyone to play Marcus. Right? And I remember, I'm like, I'm reading, I'm reading, I'm like, wow, there's plenty of people. And then I'm thinking about it. I was like, there really is no one. So what he was, he was saying, and he was like, uh, I had to go to find an Australian bricklayer. Mick G's uh, an American? Mick G, I, I'm almost positive he's an American. 90% I think he's American But regardless He was like uh, I had to find like An Australian bricklayer To play that role I couldn't find anyone To play that role Really? There are no Americans Out there That That take over Like You know I, I don't Okay I, I uh, For instance Steve McQueen Bullet He, he rules One that of my fight. favorites he, By the way He rules the screen He He fucking He, he owns it Every scene in that movie he owns. Even if he's not doing anything, his Dude, face owns it. The way he looks, the way he... That's a great American. That's a great American... Was a great American actor right there. Speaking of which, man, you see that right there? Sam see Pe- that? No. You ever, you ever see this movie, Sam Pebbles? No. All right. Look, I, I, just, I just bought a four-pack of his movies. For the, new, for the people into movies now, they're not going to pick it up. Because today, movies... Uh, Richard Attenborough. Just yes. Sounds, just sounds like an old name. It's a fucking man's man. <laughs> Look at his face. McQueen's face. Look at that. Look at it. Murphy Brown in that movie? Yo, by the wow. way, she was, she was pretty hot back then. Oh, yeah? This right here, The Sand Pebbles, Steve McQueen, is a friggin' phenomenal movie. He's like a hero. He can't beat up ten people at once, but he can whoop somebody's ass. How about Bullet? Yeah, Bullet's great. I'm uh, not Bullet. Uh, I'm sorry. Great Escape. Great Escape. I've never seen the whole thing, but... Uh, classic. Instant classic. But, uh... Yeah. No butters. No, <laughs> no butters. Yeah, it's, it's... From what I've seen, it, it was pretty fucking awesome. Like, I was... What, what was that? I, I'm looking... I was talking to somebody the other day about movies, right? And they were like, uh... Throwing movies out there, like... <laughs> some some real classics, man. And this guy said to me, "This is a good movie." What's the movie with LL Cool J, Samuel Jackson about the shark? 
down oh, below. God, the beneath. No, no, it's um, uh, 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 deep, uh, deep, deep blue, deep, deep blue, blue sea, deep blue. something like that. It's it's deep blue. They that movie was so bad. But you want to see something cool, man? You got to see the part where Samuel Jackson's talking and the shark takes him. <laughs> Anyone <laughs> out there listening to this right now, go to Google. Oh, I'm sorry, YouTube, and watch that part. It's fucking classic. Yeah, but I mean, it's, it's so good. It's so bad. It's the CGI was it was very uh, uh, young back then. Didn't it look yeah. like mere fake? It looks great. It looks great. I'm t- <laughs> I'm telling you, it's classic, man. So what do you think happened with, with American tough guy actors? England uh, happened. That's what happened. No, what happened to the to the American stock? It, I, Amer- Is it is, just another example of the femininity yes, of our culture? perfectly said. Everything now is looking pretty, dressing pretty, uh... W- Timberland work boot. Timberland's always been a work boot, right? Now it's a style. Timberland's a style. You know what I'm saying? Carhartt work. They made it a style. Every everything now is being pretty. But wouldn't work stuff being style be rugged? But it's not. It's, like I, I gotta. There's a lot of. Pe- I work with a lot of Dominicans, and they all wax their eyebrows. Yeah, yeah I've seen they that. All wax their eyebrows. That's that's bad. I just can't do. It. You know, it's funny too. Americans have been they're consumed with being pretty and not eating a cheeseburger or not uh, don't have French fries and soda. You know what I'm saying? Well, you know what? They're obsessed with like looking pretty, and everything is like that. It's the it's the it's like the it's the it's like the Hollywood cancer. It, it, it's it's kind of s- spreading. Everyone wants to be a celebrity. That, exactly. Everybody wants to be like a celebrity tart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yo, you know what, too? We spoke a while back. We, we spoke a few times. I spoke to other people about hip-hop. What happened to hip-hop, right? I, and th- I, I think I, I have a theory on that, but go ahead. Yo, hip-hop has always been... Uh, has always had style in it. Like, even back, Lee Jeans, the different color Lee Jeans, a Shell Top Adidas, and this and that. That got so blown up. Now, I remember when I grew up, when I was growing up, hip-hop was played midnight. At midnight. Chuck D said it. I get on the mix late in the night. You would never hear hip-hop at 7 o'clock in the evening. Ever. Now, if you don't have radio play and you hip-hop, you're out. Even pop stations. You're out. It's like, I don't, basically, if you're not making money, if you're underground in hip hop, you're out. That, yeah, mean, uh, that's that's what happened to hip hop. Style, money. But where, what was because what was the transitional period? Because I think I, I haven't. Yeah, because you know it was it had to be. It went from street to poppy, flashy, fucking. I don't know. I don't know when, but I think I know who. I'm going to blame it. I'm going to blame it on someone right now. I think I'm with you on this. I'm going to blame the South. I'm not, I'm not with you on this. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> I'm going to blame the South for Crunkin, for Soldier Boy, for uh, 
I'm blaming this out. <laughs> That's basically right. what it is. All right, so hip hop always had fashion flesh. Even you Without go back to fucking go back to Ice T fucking yes. Ice T albums talking about girls and guns and cars yes. and watches and gold and all that shit. But it was still like some real gangster street level shit. Exactly. Now I come back to New York. You know, I'm, I'm just going back to the 90s because the 80s, you know, I'd run DMC and Eric B and, and, and those guys and even into the 90s a little bit. But I'm going back to like, you know, Nas. That first Nas album, I think, is the greatest hip hop album of all time. Illmatic is badass. That's even, that's like biologic, uh, uh, biographical for me too, but. That's a necessity in anyone's collection. Illmatic, and then you got that first Wu Tang album. Yes. And that's just straight dirty street shit. Yep. And um, that first Biggie album came out, and that was good. Yes. Now, here's the transition. It's Puff Daddy's fault. I agree with you. It's Diddy's fault. No, because no, I agree totally with that too. Puff Daddy had a lot to do with it. Because people think that 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 Biggie's first single was juicy. It wasn't. No? No, no. People... Th- All right, Warning was Biggie... What, is the one Biggie wanted to come out with. And? Puffy was like, no, you can't do that because you, you're going to get the niggas. You already got the niggas. Right. You got to get the girls because you already got the niggas. Oh, that's terrible. Get... Put Juicy out first. Nice. They may even release Warning first, but Juicy was the one they pushed. He was like, yeah, you already got the niggas because you got the skills. Right. But now you got to get the girls on. So Juicy came out first. And then... Oh, my God. That makes a lot of sense. And then, and then fucking... Who was really... There might have been... Who was talking about the, the high-end clothes? Who was talking about Versace before Biggie? Really? No. There were, but it wasn't... Vers- the high-end stuff, you're right. No, so it was all about Adidas and Puma baskets and uh, stuff like that, Lee jeans. and But it wasn't like Versace and yeah. all of a sudden they're doing runway shows. <laughs> so it was, he started rapping about Versace and what, Moet? That's just some... Cristal? Cristal comes in. Now, the, the once you get, once you're in hip-hop, your, your album, it hits. You, 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 that, you lose some of that edge, I think. So, like, you kind of lose that edge, and you're rapping about Versace and Cristal and fucking all these things, and it says, yeah, Salvatore Ferragamo shoes <laughs> shit. <laughs> and you kind of, it's almost like the beats got softer to match the rhymes, which are about that high-end shit. But and that's what they like. Before you know it, you're sampling fucking, uh, who, who uh, I'm coming out, who's that, Gloria, uh, uh, the disco chick? Gloria Gaynor. Not her though. No, not Gloria. Diana Gaynor. Roy, example. Diana, Diana Roy, shit right. on your beats, and and you're wearing as as the locks, uh, the shiny suits, and so bad. And then that made money. That was popular. All the hip hop artists came and started to emulate that, and, and now we're here, where hip hop is now crap taking from skater and, and and speaking of that skater culture with the pants and the skating. You know, <laughs> I've seen it a lot lately. I see. I see a lot of black kids, and I, pl- I play I play roller hockey, and I play near the projects. We have the rink is right across from the projects, and I see a lot of black kids over there, and they look like, almost like they look like white metalheads from 1985 with their pants That's and their shirts. Now, the kid had on skin-tight jeans, he had on black Converse, right, and he had a Ramones t-shirt on. This is an outright black kid. And they, now, there are some who dress like that. But I'm seeing this all over the place with the skinny jeans and all of this. And I don't... Where did that come from? 
<laughs> I tell you where that comes from. It's that was when when I say we, I don't mean me and you. I mean we as as just I guess white people into into different music. We did that as like almost like a rebellion against what uh, not a rebellion, but like no, we did anti that, like anti now. What's left to be anti with in hip hop? It's so commercial. Mm. Now you got. I heard. I heard a story. I know. Uh, I heard a story about this DJ. He was DJing in a club, and he said the black girls are coming in with uh, fucking safety pins in their noses. Get out of here! Is that the truth? Who yeah. said that? Uh, Troy Kwan. He's on O and A. He's a DJ. With safety pins. And like old school punk rockers. Do you remember when people used to fucking laugh at you and abuse you for safety pins? See, I used now, to wear one in my ear. See, now that's their new... They have nowhere else to go because their culture is pop. It's popular culture. So they have nowhere to to anti to. Rebel... What's the word? Not rebel. No, no that's, a, that's a good point, though. So that's where they're going with it. So they're going to recycle old school white boy stuff? <laughs> it happens all the time. That's where hip-hop... Hip-hop isn't original. Everything they do is borrowed from somebody else. Whether it's... Their clothes, their baggy clothes. Skaters did baggy clothes first. Yes. If, but they don't say that, though. Hip-hop says that they get it from jail. With well, baggy you know pants what? They, yeah. do, they do wear baggy pants in yeah. jail. But if you look at the cover of Youth of Today, Break Down the Walls, mm-hmm. he's wearing baggy pants, like the parachute pants. Wow. You know? And that's parachute old. How old is that? Pants. To me, I think hardcore stayed... Hardcore's changed. Hardcore has changed, I think. but Because I was going to say that hardcore, to me, is the only one that stayed real. And it's still real, but hardcore has changed, too. I think it's changed. Hardcore, to me, went metal, almost. Like, hip-hop went pop. And hardcore is almost going metally. What do you mean? Because the, 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 the core bands that we listen to are still who they are. I mean, Agnostic Front always had that crossover sound. Yeah, I guess you're right. Sick of it all always stay true. They always... Maybe it's All not, their albums are different, but they're all hardcore. You know what? Maybe it's not metal. Maybe it's... Uh, with the exception of a couple, a lot of them are going thug. Like, when we go to shows, right? Let's say... Like, we're going to go to Black and Blue. You're going to see that thug element. The thugs are going to be there. Right? Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of, that, that's weird too. I see it going that way a lot too. As opposed I to think, when I was growing up it was more uh I think it was always there. It just didn't it have was a there. Name. it just didn't have a name. And True. a style to it. True. It I was guess. just how you lived. It's stamped now, right? Yeah, exactly. It has now it has an identity. People still don't understand hardcore. And if they if, they if, don't. They never will. If they don't know they never will. If, you know, if someone asks me what NYHC stands for, I don't I don't even answer them. No, I me mean, neither. How do you explain that? New yeah, York you, Hispanic. You, just, you, just, you know what I've heard? What should I've heard? <laughs> I used to work at a company where we used to we could we 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 were allowed to work with our shirts off because we worked next to a bakery and it was so fucking hot. And I have the NYHC tattooed on my back, oh, and the guy God. asked me, "What does that mean?" Uh, what we, do you say? I, well, I I was a big X Men reader, so I said it stands for the New York Hellfire Club. The Hellfire Club is an X Men uh, villains, so it stands for the New York Hellfire Club. It's a little. Thing we used to do back in the day. Oh, okay. Did you have to go on with that? No, he was like, really? He, he actually was a little intimidated. Like, <laughs> he was like, oh, so, sounds, like a, sounds like a gang. Yeah, it's a good boy gang. Yeah. The guy says to me, um, I work with a metalhead. You got a metalhead at the job. He just does not get hardcore. 
he almost it makes me think about metalheads like because I was a metalhead once of course I started off with the metal you know mm-hmm. then you slowly trans you transformed into the hardcore not everybody but a lot of people did and I'm seeing him who's he's like 50 years old and he's still a metalhead right and he still has that metalhead mentality that, yes everything sucks metal rules that's it hardcore no talent they can't sing all of the whole shit. And I'm thinking to myself, damn, I used to think like that when I was a metalhead in like the eighth grade. Yeah. And he still has that same that same mentality. Like everything sucks. He's in a state of arrested development. He hasn't developed. Absolutely not. And yo, he it's 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 funny because the metalheads also they have no they don't have a unity like like hardcore does. It's not much of a. Uh, uh, it's not much. No. We went to that Elastic <laughs> Front uh, negative approach in Brooklyn. That was a metal show. Yes. And there wasn't. There was more of a of a, of a hardcore family presence than metal, really. Yes. They don't yeah. really have. I hate to use the word scene. You know what I'm saying? But do they have a scene? Because I don't go to metal shows. Do they? Is there a? Metal they don't scene? have a scene because metal is more out there than hardcore. Hardcore small, so it's like a scene. You got scenes like little, it's like like little groups in each city. Like you don't say the New York metal scene, because you know, metal's metal's huge. Yeah, yeah. Like, hard, like there's metal in like Scandinavia. Sk- yeah, there's like a there's like a a Nepalese metal band out there somewhere. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. There's no there's no uh, Nepalese hardcore band. Hardcore hardcore's from the the street. You know, it's like scenes. It's like, almost like gangs, like. Hardcore is the dudes who, not everybody, of course, but a lot of me growing up with, with the hardcore people is the people who had it rough. Had a hard time, you know? I think that's why New York Hardcore stood out as New York Hardcore. Because, uh, uh, you know, you had hardcore in D.C. and hardcore in mm-hmm. uh, in L.A., but the L.A. Hardcore was more of like a... Like a anti anti um, anti establishment suburban whining kind of a hardcore yeah, not whining but parents yeah 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 the cops are throwing them off the corner or whatever and the New York was more of a it was still anti establishment anti government but it more had that street edge survival of the streets grown yes, edge type of shit exactly uh, you know and, and people don't like that either you know, they don't like that about New York hardcore but every scene is rooted differently. Like you just said, the LA scene were almost like the equivalent to the Long Island metalheads when I was growing up. We didn't, we weren't poor. We would fight with another town every now and again, or you know, we would be uh, fuck authority, yeah, yeah. But the hardcore scene in New York was rooted from violence, man. And they lived on the streets. They lived on the streets, squad houses, and, and, yeah, and man, they fucking yeah. The drugs was real relevant. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I mean. Uh, there's a couple good interviews with uh, Harley Flanagan. Now, a lot of people don't like him, but Harley Flanagan is, uh, he is like New York hardcore in a way. Yeah. He grew up hard. Yeah. You know, he's got the scars inside and out. You know, he grew up on the streets. That's New York hardcore. People don't like that. Yeah, I don't think that, the, 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 well, the, you know, the West Coast is kind of coming around a little bit with um, with some hardcore bands. Like, I don't, I'm not, I don't, Powerhouse. Powerhouse is good. That's a good band. That's a good. Actually, that's the only band I like. I think from the West Coast. Yeah, I was gonna say where you were going with that because I don't know. Yeah, because now I was thinking. Terra. What about Terra? 
I don't like terror. You know, they lose me. It starts out good. It's fast. You know, I like it. His voice loses me. It's too. It's too. And the breakdowns, they, they lose me. It's too. It, it, it loses me. It always loses me. I have a terror album on my iPad. I have one too. You know what? Uh, I don't give it too much airplay. Tell you what's good right now. Shell Shock. I don't think I've ever heard them. Shell Shock. It's called Born to Kill. Good fucking New York hardcore CD. Yeah. Talk about no frills. To the point. Fucking bring it in. Break it down. End it. Perfect. It's good hardcore. But um, if we can go back to that hardcore there for a minute. It, a lot, you know, a lot of people don't... If you read in the books too, if you read like... Uh, if you read these books about hardcore and punk rock from all these different cities, you almost get a vibe that a lot of those yeah. places don't like New York hardcore. That American hardcore book pretty much dismissed New York. I oh, I agree. That book is I, shit. That book is crap. Do I have it? Yeah, because I was tricked. <laughs> <laughs> now you telling me that because because they fight and where they're from, you're gonna hate them. I, I just don't, I don't know. You can't deny victim in pain. If you're gonna Dude. you're gonna write a book about American hardcore, yes. you're gonna you're gonna deny victim in pain and call it New York thrash. The name of the chapter was New York, New York thrash. thrash. It's not thrash music, buddy. <laughs> I mean, there was a time where it, where it turned into a crossover metal. It did. Victim in pain is hardcore. It is. When did that come out? 83? 82, 83, something like that. Yeah, definitely. How if that amazes me that a band like no one amazes me is like Welcome to Venom, Welcome to Hell came out in like eighty two. Good shit. How was that possible? That that like three years earlier it was seventy nine. Like how the fuck does Welcome to Hell come you say out? That I think about I think like that all the time. Like I thought about that with Slayer. Slayer Show No Mercy came out in nineteen eighty two. That's crazy. Yeah, a couple years before it was like Led Zeppelin. <laughs> Fucking <laughs> it's disco. It's just weird. Yeah, disco really. How did it go from like? How did it jump from Black Sabbath to Venom? Like, where's that? Is there a is there a, any kind of fucking progression there? Does no. anyone, does anyone know the answer to that? I know Venom had some good shit back then. Because Black Sabbath is kind of the first metal band, really. Kind of they're I mean, coming out with a new CD. People by the say way. Blue Oyster Cult is the first metal band, but Blue Oyster Cult because they use the heavy guitar distortions and ah, all that shit. Interesting. I've never heard that one before, but that's a first. Eh, it's probably shit. It's probably crap. Black Sabbath's coming out with a new CD, by the way. And I heard one of the songs. It's so hard to hear it now. But why? Now, if they would have took this song now and threw it on one of the old albums, it would have been fine. But why can't I hear it now? It was good. Maybe it's a little too slow for you. To get to the point. Yeah, You know what, too? When you pick up hardcore, a lot of things go out the window. Like yeah. a, a, a lot of music goes out there when they pick up hardcore. Well, all of a sudden, hardcore means something. It's, it's like, wow, man. What he's singing about? Holy shit, man. That happened to me. Yeah, it's very relatable. That's how... Uh, yeah. Let me tell you how I got into hardcore. Okay. I talked about this last show with uh, Yvonne. Or maybe two shows ago. As I take a sip of my beer real quick. Okay, I got into metal from you, because we lived in the same room. Venom. Uh, Venom, Venom, Venom. Venom, Slayer, Metallica, so whatever you listen to, I had to listen to. And I had You're a, welcome, by the way. I had a... <laughs> but whatever. I had a pretty good knowledge of the tapes you had. Cassettes. God. We never really had records. None. 
tapes. Records sound good. I, my friend made me a CD of records of Breakdown 7-inch, The Youth of Today 7-inch. How'd it sound? Fucking great. Yeah, it's fucking bugged out. And uh, so I went to school. I was in seventh grade, and this dude, Danny, noticed I was wearing a Venom patch, and he was a metalhead. And he was like, yo, you, you ever, uh, <coughs> excuse me, you ever hear the Circle Jerks? I was like, yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, I know the Circle Jerks. So, yo, you bring me a Circle Jerks cassette, I'll fucking give you something. I was like, all right. I didn't have any Circle Jerks cassettes. Right. But you did. <laughs> Motherfucker. <laughs> Dude, I straight up robbed your Circle Jerks wonderful cassette. <laughs> you did, you fucking bastard. <laughs> oh, shit. Well, I hope you got something good in fucking return. So I went back. <laughs> I went back the next day to class. And I gave Danny your Circle Jerks yeah, wonderful look. cassette. And he handed over New York Hardcore Where the Wild Things Are cassette. Holy fuck, I gotta say. That's <laughs> a that's a lopsided swap on his part. And I looked at the cover, I said, what the fuck is this? I put it on, I read the fucking lyrics as it played. You know, fucking... Outburst. Outburst, oh, Raw fuck. Deal, Life's Blood, Breakdown... You know, fucking shit, terror, maximum penalty, Norman uppercut, Bates. no one bates in the showerheads, and that one throwaway Gorilla Biscuit song. And after reading the lyrics for that, that's my transition. I never, not that I never, I, I don't think I ever listened, with the exception of Venom Slayer and Celtic Frost, I never, and Metallica, right. never went back to metal. I hear you. How do you, you feel, know, how do you feel about that? I got the, I got one for you. Now I got it to hardcore. Oh, wait, was, before you say that, I think I, uh, I think I may have heard Sick of It All before I got that cassette from you. I'll tell you what. I was always young. When I was young, I was a metalhead. It was all about metal. The hardcore that I did have in the house with us, I had Carnivore, Retaliation. I had Sick of It All, but I didn't have Blood, Sweat, No Tears. I had... Uh, the Revelation 7? Yes. Or whatever it was? Yeah, and I got that from Buddha. Buddha made that for me. So I had that. I had Suicide Tendencies, Circle Jerks, shit like that. I got into hardcore. I went to Larry Howard. I went to, you know Larry Howard? No. Well, you don't know, you don't know Larry? What the hell? You don't know Larry? Larry! <laughs> you know Larry! I went to Larry Howard's house, right? And um, he had already made the trend, like, he already made the move. Like, he had the long hair. That makes sense. Was he a Tool fan back... Uh, like He's a Tool fan now. But back then, he was a straight metalhead. I met Larry. I remember you him. You definitely I met, did. I met him when he was wearing a Tool shirt. I remember him wearing Probably. a Tool shirt. Because yeah. it, it was a penis on his shirt. Yeah, he, he's a big Tool guy now. But back then, he was a straight metalhead, right? He did the he did the crossover first. Fucking shaved his head. Started picking up hardcore. Anyway... I was with my girl Kim. I was with this girl Kim at the time. We walked over to his house and uh, we walk in there and he's playing hardcore. He's playing Where the Wild Things Are, right? So I'm looking at the, he had the album, right? That's nice. Sick, yeah, it was great. And I'm opening up and I'm looking at Kim. I'm like, Norman Bates in the showerheads. How fucking stupid is that? And I was fucking with Larry saying how hardcore sucks, right? No, you don't know. He's telling me, right? So, um, I'm, I'm looking at it, life's blood, this and that, this and that. And, uh, somehow I can't remember. I, either he made me a tape or I went and picked it up or whatever it was. 
And the first, the first songs I really that really grabbed me were the two Norman Bates songs. Desperate, oh, really? Desperate and Hell Minded. Because I got into them after, after listening to it for a while. Oh, really? Yeah, fucking uh, the, the outburst and the life is what grabbed me at first. Well, I tell you what. Oh, you know what? The breakdown. Everything. everything. That, that, whole album, that whole album, that whole album is so fucking good. But those two songs grabbed me. And little by little, every song I started picking it up. And then I started seeing the lyrics. So I started making a little bit of... I started leaning towards hardcore a little bit. Then I went to the CD store one day in Brooklyn called Record Factory. It used to be on 86th Street. It used to be Record Factory. I went in there one day and I was like, you know, let me buy some CDs. I went in there to buy like some fucking metal shit. Because I was still holding on to metal, but I was leaning towards hardcore. I go in there and I'm looking. And what do I see in there? I see um, Norman Bates' The Showerheads, the fucking first album they came out with on cassette, right? Then I'm looking around, I'm like, I gotta have that. So I told the guy I picked it up. Then I'm looking around and I see Bold speak out. I was like, oh man, I, and I had heard, but not even that I heard them. I remember, I think it was Rob Hockerberger from the neighborhood used to write Bold he, or Larry, one of them. I was like, you know what, let me get that too, right? So I went home and Norman Bates instantly grabbed me. I was hooked on fucking Norman Bates. They got that that bouncy fucking. Oh, dude, yeah. it's so good, and I just I just made copies for fucking everybody, and everybody loved it. But I opened up that bowl CD, and I uh, I'm sorry, cassette. I put that cassette, that bowl cassette in there. I was done. Metal was gone forever. That was it. It was the bowl. That one. was it. That fucking bowl speak out. Yeah. I can listen to that from beginning to end. Over and over and over and over and never get sick of it. If you read those lyrics, how the fuck did those guys, and they must have been kids. They were kids. I mean, they had a band before them. Yeah, I can't remember the name. It was Crippled Youth. There you go. But (laughs) if you read the lyrics from Bold, how did they have so much, and this is, I think this isn't a test of New York hardcore. How did they have so much wisdom at such a young age? Because they've been through a lot. I think. I don't know where they're from. They could be from Connecticut. Well, I think a couple of them are. Oh, is that right? I'm I'm almost positive. At least one, one... I think the singer's from Connecticut. But the rest but of them, I think, are from here. But I'm not sure. They're under the New York Hardcore banner. Yes. And you know what? They could be from fucking Iowa. Yes. Those kids, as young as they were, had a lot of fucking wisdom to write those songs. Unbelievable. And that's what grabbed me. It grabbed me was the fucking lyrics that they wrote on that. I mean, some people might look at them and be like, ah, it's typical hardcore shit. But eh, maybe, but... Tell you what, those lyrics are so fucking good. Always try. Yeah. Search. Holy fuck, search. Oh, man. Still strong. So good. Mm. That was the fucking beginning of the end of metal. All of a sudden, I tell you what, with the exception of Slayer and like Celtic Force, The Emperor's Return and Old Morbid Tales. Yeah. Everything was fucking, it was done. Everything was silly to me now. Metal was silly. Guitar solos. Where are... Oh, I know. Silly. I got, I got no time for... Silly. With the exception of, of Slayer, exactly. which uh, Jeff Hanneman just passed away uh, last week. peace. With the exception of Slayer, I got no time for guitar solos. I have none. No shot. I can hear everything in his fucking Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so... All right, so... Uh, pretty much in a nutshell, fuck metal. How do you yeah, feel... Yeah, I, I agree. How do you feel... <laughs> How do you feel about punk rock, really? Were you ever into punk rock? Because I was into, like... I I, I, I got into Bad Religion by punk. accident. 
Bad Religion was the first punk band I really got into. I used to play handball down down in West Babylon against the wall, against the deli. And this guy was wearing a, a, a violence patch. Eternal Nightmare. Oh, good right? shit, by the way. So great I, album. So I came up with him. I was like, yo, violence, that's a that's a great album. And for it still some, holds up. Oh, it's, oh, it's, it's one of my still favorites. Holds up. That's me one too. of my favorites. And for some reason, this is what he said to me. This is how I got into Bad Religion and, and into punk. This guy, long hair, like typical metalhead, tall, skinny, long hair, fucking violence <laughs> jacket. Typical metalhead. Typical metalhead. He was like, yo, you like violence? Check out Bad Religion. That's a strange... Uh, what? Where the fuck did that come from? What? Check out... Like they're the same? <laughs> yeah, like what? If you like that, you'll like this? <laughs> it's, it's a different world. So I wow. went back. I, I bought... I picked up Bad Religion, No Control, and I liked it. And I picked up a couple of albums, and I liked it. And uh, that... By the way, that's that wonderful album is bad. What wonderful? So Circle Jerks? Oh, it's so bad. It's terrible. Uh, it's awful. No, it's terrible. But I went and got Group Sex, which is good. Which is good. I got uh, Black Flag the first four years, which, which is, is good. Yes. And I never really... You're doing a snorting thing, too. No, I just no. did it. We just both snorted at the same time. No, I just did a bag. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> fucking... That's... Uh, got a drip. That's the... Uh, they think that, that, that's the extent... A GBH. GBH. Holy shit, GBH. Fucking city baby attacked by rats. Second one, not so much. No, not at all. <laughs> it's like two different bands. I have it. It stinks. It stinks. It fucking stinks. I can smell it right now. But one of the main reasons I wanted to get you on my podcast was I want to do a whole separate hardcore show with Eric. We'll, 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 yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get Ian. We'll schedule that in the future. But one of the things is uh, growing up in Brooklyn. All right, we're going to leave it at that. Stay tuned next week, episode 6 for The Brooklyn Show. Once again, featuring my brother, Anthony. just want to take a quick time right now to thank all the people that have been on my show. Five, we're five episodes in, so I figured this is a good chance. I want to thank Jason, Johnny Nissan, my brother Anthony, Ivan. And I want to thank Angela for hooking up the logo. Alright, thanks guys. Tune in next week for The Brooklyn Show. Later. Bold, having my say. Yeah.